0: In a world where jobs are how most people make money. One man, one desire, one challenge, dares to break the mold. Welcome to the Old Dogs REI Network, where we don't work for money, money works for us. Coming soon, viewer discretion advised.
1: Bill Manasero Welcome to the Old Dogs REI Network. I'm your host Bill Manasero and this is the show where 50 plusers and anyone else who wants to join us get solid no sales pitch real estate investing advice to help generate real cash flow. This podcast airs twice weekly on Mondays and Fridays and if you aren't already a subscriber, go to iTunes or Apple Podcast, type in Old Dogs spelled D A W G S find our podcast and subscribe. Well, we've got a a great guest uh, today uh, who's going to address an area we have talked about on this show and uh, one that we have a lot of interest in, and that's uh, about uh, co-living. His name is Johnny Wolf, and he is the CEO and founder of Homeroom Co-living, one of the fastest growing co-living companies in the United States. After starting his career as a financial analyst in Silicon Valley, working for such companies as EA, Scandisk, GuideSpark, he relocated to Austin, Texas to pursue real estate investing full-time. His love for real estate investing and living with roommates motivated him to start Homeroom in 2017. After an unusually terrible craigslist roommate experience i guess we have to touch on that one um in 2020 homeroom boasted 99 on-time rent payments that's pretty amazing full occupancy and zero evictions sales velocity for homeroom is up 300 in 2021 with hundreds of happy residents across 23 cities in three states Powered by investor funds, Homeroom recently expanded to Dallas and Austin. Johnny still lives in one of Homeroom's first co-living houses in Kansas City and enjoys hanging out and surviving the pandemic with his awesome roommates, especially on Chicken Wing Thursdays. Well, Johnny, welcome to the Old Dogs REI Network.
0: Yeah. Hey, thanks for that great intro.
1: Well, uh, thank you for coming on. I, I'm I'm real uh, stoked to have you on. This is uh, this is going to be a great uh, great discussion here. Yeah, um, I thought maybe before we get started, you know, digging in, is uh, maybe uh, you could just kind of give us your story. Um, you know, where you came from, how you got into real estate investing and co living.
0: Yeah. So, you know, out of college, I lived, I was, I lived in um, the Bay area. I was working for startups and technology companies doing finance, analysis, data science, as well as um, operations. And in behind the scenes, I was investing in real estate. My first real estate investment was in 2008 in the area of Texas, the oil area, the Permian Basin, uh, where Friday Night Lights is based out of.
1: Oh, yeah. And so
0: while I was, So I did that for about seven years and decided, you know, I think real estate is the right move for me. Um, So I wanted to get way more involved. I moved to Austin in 2015. um, And the initial plan was for me to move with four friends. And we couldn't find a landlord or a five-bedroom house that would rent to five roommates. So I bought, personally bought a three-bedroom house, um, added some walls and created a five-bedroom house. And we all uh, lived together. It was a really cool experience. Um, you know, It was a very social environment. Um, you had a maid, yard care. Um, but yeah, behind the scenes, I was making really high returns because I was renting out each room separately. I ended up buying a number of other properties in Austin from 2015 to 2018 and uh, renting them all by the room. And my returns for those that portfolio were 500%. And I shared those returns with a few friends in the in the Bay Area, and they were really jealous. Uh, jealousy is like really the number one emotion you want from your friends when you talk about your investments, I think. <laughs> and um, and so they were they were asking me how do I invest, how you're investing, and rent out properties by the room. And there was no way for them to do that. So I thought, saw a business opportunity that could help investors make more money, but also provide affordable uh, housing to tenants. And so I emptied my retirement account. Uh, moved to Kansas City and started Homeroom in 2018. And wow!
1: Yeah. That so you um, when you moved to Austin area, uh, were you still in the tech industry?
0: Still in the startup industry, yes. Yeah, oh. I was. Uh, it was a pharmaceutical technology startup.
1: Okay, gotcha. And so you you went there with the not necessarily the the intention of starting a real estate uh, business, but um, you just got. Uh, innovative there and uh subdivided the house and and uh you know just uh, started booking it up that's uh, that's great and uh, uh do you remember mm-hmm. um it was a, it was a three bedroom like uh, one bathroom two bath three three bedroom two baths two bath and you you remember what you paid for it
0: it was 288
1: and so you just, uh, you know, just went ahead and initially it was just a, a place to stay, but you saw the, uh, I guess the, or got the entrepreneurial itch to, uh, take what you were doing there and just duplicate it. Is that correct?
0: Yeah. You know, I was working really well. I was, wasn't paying anything for rent personally. I was cash flowing, um, in Austin, which at the time was pretty expensive, but not like it is today. And, um, I just felt like I could do the same thing over and over again. Um, obviously, there was a lot more, you know, behind underneath the surface in terms of like finding roommates and managing the house. But those, but you know, the returns made it worth it because they were so good.
1: See, so you're 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 buying these places and setting up. Uh, now you were working through most of this, or at some point you decided, hey, I'm going to quit and do this full time.
0: Uh, I was actually working through that entire period,
1: okay. Tom's gotcha.
0: um, the Director of finance and operations, yeah,
1: okay, so um I mean, how is that? i mean you're you're sort of the property manager for all these places, right? um yeah, while you're you know you have to screen tenants and so forth uh, uh, you're doing that while working a full- time job. that would be a little bit of bit of a challenge there,
0: yeah, I mean, it's definitely not easy and you know? and you know part of the reason I started. Homeroom, Room, which my, is my company, which helps investors um, buy properties and rent out each room separately, is because I didn't want to manage properties forever, my and and so I needed someone to do it. And um, I'm not sure if the choice of starting a company was the easiest solution for me there, but um, it's one that worked. <laughs> so now all my properties are managed by Homeroom, which is fantastic. But yeah, it was it was it was a challenging time, but it was I think it's good to expose yourself to some light management early in your real estate investing career. Um, if you have time, you know, if you're kind of starting the journey, I think it can be helpful. Um, if you're looking you know, if you're looking to deploy a capital pretty aggressively, um, and just, you just, you could find just a good manager to help you do all that too. Um, but yeah, if you're, you know, kind of early in your investing career and, you know, every dollar matters, it's, a, it's I think it's a good experience.
1: And that was kind of interesting. You mentioned the first house, you had a, you had a maid that cleaned up after you guys.
0: (laughs) Yeah. it was, it was one of the, you know, the framework, one of the questions we get is, you know, how, what about roommates disagreements and how do roommates get along? And there are a few things that seem to create tension between the roommates. And one of them was like dishes in the sink, um, dividing bills and getting paid back. Um, you know, and just general. And so with Homeroom, we've actually worked to like, kind of like I did at that property, is do things that will remove stress from the roommates. And so by having a maid every month, it took away like that pressure that you need to clean or why isn't, you know, why isn't this one roommate clean as much as I am? Uh, and create just a more peaceful environment. So that's something I did at that house. And that's something we, I did at every subsequent house as well.
1: And the maid only comes in once a month.
0: Yeah, it's enough to make sure that it stays in, in good, good condition. I
1: gotcha. Guess. And do you rent uh, like a typical rental, where you know, a 12-month lease?
0: Uh, we're more flexible at Homeroom today. We do three to 24 months.
1: Okay, gotcha. So you can go anywhere in, mm-hmm. in between that. And uh, they pay monthly, um, you know, generally? Yeah,
0: yeah. It's monthly, just like a typical rental. Um, yeah. I rents to on the first.
1: Now, you're you know, a tech guy, or at least come from that background. I know you're you're more you're more on the financial side of things and uh, management and so forth, but uh, um, did you see you know that there'd be an opportunity here to maybe set up a portal or something to, you know, to attract people and to, you know, bring in uh, you know, potential tenants?
0: Yeah, so Homeroom actually um, is a portal. Um, it we it so when you go onto the website, ninety percent of our tenants will actually book rooms without ever seeing them in person. So they can actually see professional pictures, take virtual tours, um, see the roommates um, who live there, learn a little bit about them, and then they're able to apply for a room uh, within fifteen seconds instead of like you know kind of a typical multi-day process. Um, and we use, you know, standard background and credit and eviction checks, um, but it's just done much faster and automatically at home, which is really, really cool. Um, and then if if everything works correctly, uh, a tenant can lit, sign a lease and pay within five minutes of kind of picking
1: a room. That's crazy. <laughs> I mean, what now, is that your own platform or are you linking into other existing, um, you know, platforms that do the screening and credit checks and things like that?
0: Yeah, we, um, we definitely leverage other softwares, but the core platform itself is our proprietary software that we've built and are continuing
1: to build out Oh, very cool. Yeah, that's that's pretty amazing. That's a quick, uh, <laughs> that is a really quick screening process there.
0: Yeah, we're, not, we're excited about it. It really kind of, it really, is, you know, there's no reason for it to take as long as it takes today. Uh, the technology and the databases all exist. And it's just really opening those up and creating a quick um, feedback loop that allows people to get accepted fast and able to sign their lease digitally and do everything very quickly.
1: Yeah, that's great. That's great. And um, generally, the, the home that you, the first home you had is sort of the model for the others, and that each person has their own room, uh, should probably share bathrooms, uh, share um, kitchen, and the you know general living room space.
0: Yeah, that's correct. So, you know, our investors are creating this type of property, right? So, they, they'll buy the home and it will match the homeroom recommendations. We, we use the data science layer to identify homes with highest potential yield and appreciation. In addition to that, there'll be specs of what needs to be done to the property. And so, that may mean building walls like I did on my property, um, it may, but it always includes furnishing the common areas. So, the common areas in the kitchen have essential items similar to an Airbnb, the bedrooms are unfurnished. And so this actually creates a situation where the investor yields the maximum returns because the property is set up an ideal way for this living situation. And when it's set up in an ideal way, then investors make the most money. So it really kind of is this ecosystem in which everyone benefits from kind of this setup that homeroom is kind of perfected.
1: And your typical model would be a four bedroom a two bath type of a single family home?
0: Uh, Definitely single family homes. We, the form factor varies wildly. Uh, We have a three bedroom, two bath townhouse. We have seven bedroom, four baths. It's all over the place. Um, Typical form factor would be, you know, a four or five bedroom house um, with two or three bathrooms. The more bathrooms, the better in the situation. Usually it's important that the house has ample parking in front or on the property. Um, as well as yeah, the shared bathrooms. so those are those are really the big keys to making it work for uh, the model.
1: Now, a, a new investor coming in that uh, says, yeah,, uh, it sounds like this might be a good good deal for me. Um, what what price point uh, are they usually looking at, or is it all over the board? Uh, and are they picking? only within the markets that you're in? Um, like you mentioned Dallas, Austin, and uh, Kansas City, um, or, or can they go to other other markets? I know there's a couple of questions there, sorry.
0: Yeah, no, that's great. Um, so our goal is to be in a, every 1,000 different cities over the next three years. Oh, wow. Maybe five, but you know we want to be in every city because one of the things that I found when I moved from San Francisco to us in the Kansas City is that the need for people living with in roommate houses is actually ubiquitous across the country. It wasn't just in San Francisco. It wasn't just in New York. So we're trying to offer this housing everywhere. Um so what that means is over time investors will have a lot more choice. Today we're in we're in eight metro areas. We just added Phoenix. So we're in Kansas, Dallas, Austin, San Antonio, Indianapolis, Pittsburgh, and Tampa, and Phoenix just launched. So we're gradually rolling out larger metros and then going to be moving um, you know, into the smaller metros over time. That's one of the advantages of having our own proprietary technology is that we're able to take that technology tool and just move it and copy it to the new metro. and So people can book like they're booking a hotel, um, you know, in that, in, in Phoenix. And that can happen very, very quickly.
1: And, um, what, uh, yeah I guess it's kind of tough uh, talking price points on things, but, you know, generally, um, you know, what kind of, a um, you know, per room cost are you talking about for, for renters? And maybe you can give me a range.
0: Yeah. Um, it really, it really is so different. Um, and you, you asked about the price of homes, and, and that's also super different. It really depends on the metro. The most expensive metro we have today is Austin. Um, and so the rental range there is between, you know, five and $800 per room. Um, and then property prices are between $500,000 and $750,000. Uh, with for, you know, there's also on the other side of the spectrum is a city like Kansas City, where the average price of a property is like 300000 and the average room prices in the low fours.
1: Okay, gotcha. Um, and so what what sort of your the range of the return for the uh, for the investor uh, for the most part?
0: We would we um, are looking for an IRR um, above twenty percent. So we typically can beat a syndication a syndicated deal um, because you'll be able to capture more appreciation and there'll be less kind of take rate on the deal. Um, and then cash yield varies wildly. Austin is the lowest, and then Indianapolis is the highest. And Indianapolis deals can be in about, del- you know, ten percent cash-on-cash yield. Sometimes a bit higher.
1: And and you mentioned syndication. Now, if somebody's just buying one house, he's not going to syndicate that one house, right? I mean, or is it? Or you don't work that way?
0: Well, um, I, sorry, I was comparing it to syndication. There, I don't. I don't think I was. Oh, okay. Yeah, I was just saying we could do slightly better than, or quite a bit better than a
1: typical syndicate deal. Yeah, because I was thinking IRR, you, you're building it into that, the cost of the sale of the property, right? And most of these people are, are holding onto them for a longer term, I would imagine. Correct,
0: yep. Most people, were, we recommend a 10-year holding period.
1: Gotcha, okay. Um, and uh, now, do you have you know properties that are available? Let's say an investor comes and he has no idea what, you know, where he's going to find a property. Do you have some that are available that uh, investors can come in and, and look at and, uh, you know, as possible investments?
0: Yeah, the way we typically work is it's more made-to-order type investments. Are, we use a technology that looks at every property that has CMLS and underwrites the deal um, to make, basically to show uh, potential returns. And if one of the deals is in the top 10%, and we'll actually share that with our investor network and say, hey, here's a property we forecast it'll have a cash yield of 7%, and the IRR will be 23% for you if you buy with leverage. And so that's typically um, how we'll operate. Um, we do occasionally have deal people that will sell their properties, and then those will be available as well. But usually we're going to buy a home on the MLS, do the work to the property to make it a, into a co-living property.
1: And then we'll list it on the platform. And that's the typical uh, mode in which we operate. Got it. You'll find the investor after the property is ready, right? I would think that there'd be a, as with any rentals that uh, are out there, you know, there's got to be that property management element, um, the person who has to deal with the clogged toilets and the, um, you know, or the, maybe the disputes between, you know, roommates, you um, you know uh, everything from I don't know lawn care or whatever um across the board um is there somebody in that role, or is that the investors' uh, responsibility?
0: yeah, so homeroom actually will handle all of that, and it's a purely passive investment for real estate investors,
1: okay, so you have people on your staff that will coordinate uh, any kind of maintenance repairs um uh, you know, or even eviction issues, things like that. Mm-hmm. yep, it's all handled for the investors. They don't have to worry about anything. okay, well, that's cool. As far as you know what you have um you know currently in your in your offering, um what seems to be the you know the most popular type of home or situation you know you could just you know give me an idea the where the strongest demand would be.
0: It varies by investor. Um, some investors, kind of earlier in their investment life cycle, are tipi- are looking for appreciation. So they'll, they'll, there's, a lot, there's a strong interest in appreciation markets like Austin or Phoenix, um, and that's you know very, those are very popular, um, especially among technology workers. Uh, we also have, but for investors who are looking for more passive yield, they'll tend towards the cash flow markets like Kansas City, Indianapolis, and Pittsburgh. So, it's really depends on the investor's um, preference and what they're really what they really want. If they want to build wealth, or do they want to uh, achieve more passive income?
1: And is there a you know a, sort of a different expectation in markets? Let's say where you may have a lot of students, um, you know, renting or. Um, or young professionals or what, what, what is your, your tenant? Does it, does that tenant mix a uh, range from market to market?
0: It does. We, we actually, we don't, we're 21 and over, so we don't get a lot of students at home run properties. Our average age is actually 28.
1: Oh, wow. Okay.
0: But yeah, so we, um, We've, we, there definitely is differences in each market um, markets like Austin have massive immigration in and out of the cities um, we see the income be quite a bit higher versus a city like Kansas City um, where the income is a bit lower people are typically born and raised in the city so it just really depends on the market but yeah the 28 uh, average age of 28 really is consistent um we we're find, you know we find that there's a large subset of the population that's underserved by the current housing options, uh, typically post college, pre marriage, um, which has sort of become a much larger population than it was 15 years ago, um, as millennials are be- delaying marriage into their mid, sometimes late 30s, and and that's like such a long period of time, you know, two full decades now be- after college before marriage, and many of these, so many of these folks are just not super excited about living in a studio apartment by themselves for that long. And so that's where, that's why there's more and more people living with roommates um, each year and each decade it has been growing substantially. Um, so that, that's really where home rooms kind of, that's our sweet spot. And so that's, we, we, um, uh, we do kind of hear like, is it students that are living here? It's like, the answer is like very few. Um, but it's um, we do have a, a ton of folks in that, you know, late 20s, early 30s demographic currently.
1: Gotcha. Um, and um, for, uh, you know, uh, I, again, I'm just kind of getting a feel for it. I know it's difficult to nail down, but let's say I, I'm, I'm somebody that's moving to Austin. Um, what would I be able to get a room for? What would be a competitive rate?
0: Uh, between five and 800 would be, I think, pretty competitive.
1: Okay, yeah, because rent, rents in Austin especially are just through the roof right now. <laughs> so, um, that's, yeah, yeah no, they're,
0: they're going, cr- they're going crazy. It's funny. Yeah.
1: And, and how is, uh, how are utilities handled? Um, are they, um, are they paid separately? Um, or is that factored into the rent amount?
0: We have an amenity and uh, services fee. And so amenities include utilities. Sorry. Our, our, um, tenants pay a fixed amount each month. Um, and that goes to cover all the utilities, internet, main service, yard care, everything.
1: Gotcha. Well, um, you know, just uh, starting out. I mean, you you, you definitely have uh, you know take this to, to a new level here, and it sounds exciting that you you know moving forward. Um, what, what would you say? You know, one of the biggest mistakes was early on that um, that you've learned from and uh, uh, that has helped you to you know actually put together a better company?
0: Yeah. I mean, you know, we've learned a number of things, you know, one is, um, who you hire matters more than almost anything else. And, you know, it's really, it's hiring really, really well is really difficult It's the you kind know, of the hardest thing. Um, but it seems to always be worth it in our case. We find we have massive, um, progress when we hire a really great person, um, even though it's takes a lot of time and it can be exhausting to to work that, you know, to essentially be that selective. Um, and then when you hire someone that's not amazing, it ends, you know, it ends up costing you a lot of time because you could have been looking for the right person. So that's been a big learning at the company. Um, the other is alignment of our own incentives. So one of the key things we make sure that we're doing is that the people who are in charge of sales are also in charge of the customer experience. And so that we're not selling something that we can't deliver on, because um, I, we think that the, this connection between the salesperson and the customer's experience after they buy, um, if that's not aligned, then you end up having a lot of unhappy customers. So we've worked, we've you know set it up so on both sides, on the tenant and on the investor side of the marketplace, we have that alignment, so that our sales folks are really trying to sell what we have, and have the and people are happy with what they get.
1: Right, right. And that uh, the property management, um, I don't know, individual or team or whatever in, in each market, um, how much interface do they have with the actual uh, tenants?
0: We're interacting with tenants as, as needed. Um, whenever they reach out to us, then we will kind of help them. Either if it it's repairs or challenges in the house, um, our team is available all the time for them to communicate with us.
1: Okay. So they don't just, you know, schedule regular drop by is just to check on things. Um, they just, they, they don't only go if, 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 contacted, right.
0: The main service is in there once a month. And so they'll actually do a kind of a, a state of the house report to us. So we'll be able to kind of see what's inside and we, um, it, the maids will actually grade the house for cleanliness and report issues. So we're in there probably we're in there at least every month, but sometimes more often. But in terms of our team interfacing with the tenants directly, it's only as needed.
1: Right. And, um, when you're looking for properties, you know, how do you identify properties that you think will have above average returns?
0: Yeah. The, you know, there's a few pieces to that. So one is our you know data science team has worked to, to basically predict, um, property appreciation. That'd be above the market average. And so they're using a bunch of different data sources for that. Uh, Some of it's as simple as crime stats, crime trajectory. Um, One of the big ones is immigration in and out of that neighborhood. Um, We also use some kind of nuanced stuff that's special to us. We use like Snapchat information, how many snaps are taken, Instagram activity, some other social media kind of like data sets that are available, and we integrate that um, our data science team has integrated those pieces together. So that's an appreciation forecast. Um, and then on the, the rents forecast side, um, there's not really a consolidated roommate, room price database out there. So we actually have, are, have built a tool that will forecast rent. Um, we scrape Craigslist, Roomster, a few other data sets, and then we use similar data, um, but just in different mix from this from social media usage. Um, as well as from apartment prices. So all that's mixed together. My, my, co- our seat, our, um, my co-founder Mike is a data scientist from Airbnb and um, they did a lot, of, a lot of similar things there to what we're doing at Homeroom.
1: Interesting, uh, that's great. And, and what, what did you institute maybe early on that turned out to be very successful for you and um, something that has helped maybe even give you an edge in the marketplace?
0: Yeah, early on, we had no
1: money. <laughs> um, <laughs> that happens with startups. And, uh,
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, a few other startups started off with a lot of money, actually. Um, a couple of companies out of San Francisco, each start out with about $10 million. Um, they hired San Francisco a talent. They did software development very aggressively early on, and both of them struggled. Um, In a way, we started because we started with like my retirement savings, which was like two hundred thousand dollars at the time. um, We did not have much money, so we used kind of grit and um, efficient options because that's really just for survival's for for the reason of survival, essentially. Um, And it actually proved out that those pieces were actually better mixed than like what the bigger but those companies that had a lot of money were doing. So we actually were out. You know, some of them didn't survive. Some of them we outgrew last year. Um, but yeah, we um, we just raised we just raised some money um, after Y Combinator. But this is the first real large batch of funding that we've received. You know, it's been three years, so it's um, I would say like starting from a bootstrap standpoint, I think can be a really valuable tool to building the right ethos in your company. Um, and we're not necessarily like, we haven't like won or IPO it or anything like that. But I would say that it's why we're, you know, so a lot of the success we've had. has been because, uh, because of that approach.
1: Right. Well, our audience are folks that are um, generally our target audience, should I say, are, are folks that are 50 years of age and older. They're looking at real estate investing as a means to help to maybe bring additional cash flow to their retirement years or maybe they want to get the best return on their retirement nest egg you know there's a number of different reasons but real estate because it is uh, it's i mean it's just a, a great a great place a great resource because you've got you know asset based investing and um what um for those folks that are you may be looking at co-living and uh, you know as a possible uh area where they might be able to meet those goals um, what would you say to them
0: yeah i mean i think real estate investing is a fantastic tool for kind of yield and wealth generation it's it's really like you know the returns profile really mirrors that of like a stock and a bond mixed together um but if the stock didn't really go down right because real estate doesn't really go down (laughs) Um, in the middle of the United States, right? It just, even during like 2006 through 2008, um, prices in like Austin and Dallas and Kansas City went down less than 10%. So you're looking at like one time in 50 years where we've seen a big decrease. Um, so that's why I just think real estate is the asset class for like, you know, later later um, investment stage in life. It, it's so unerratic, it's so consistent. Um, It's mirrored inflation's value increase for so long. Um, So I I just think it's it's second to none. Um, Because when you look at like bonds or treasuries, any of these other passive income tools, like they're just not yielding enough. So I do think that real estate is is definitely should be in the mix there. Um, I personally am way over indexed on real estate. I have all my money in real estate and I do not regret it at all um, for that reason.
1: And and why would you uh, may, maybe recommend or not recommend uh, co living as uh, a a more specific niche for uh, real estate investors?
0: Yeah, I mean the the you know the rent is fifty percent higher. and I probably should have said that earlier, but um, that's if you're looking for cash yield, and you're not going to do much better than co living in terms of bang for your buck. It's going to be higher yields it's going to be more consistent yields because instead of having, in a single family home setup, if someone moves out, you make $0 for a month or maybe even two and you pay for repairs. With co-living, you may have one roommate leave, but then you're going to still have four other roommates paying. So every month you'll have income. So it's a much more consistent revenue stream. Um, It's a higher revenue stream. Um, So yeah, I just, I think it's probably the best if you're looking for stability with premium yield, I don't think there's a better option than co-living real estate. Um, you know, short-term rentals is interesting as well, good yields, but the consistency—you know—you have to question that, especially after what we saw in 2020
1: and 2021. And uh, what percentage does uh, Home Run take uh, out of that equation uh, for investors if they, you know, they buy that property?
0: Yeah, so we charge a 15 percent platform fee that's similar to Airbnb
1: okay gotcha and that covers everything huh mmm covers everything that's great that's really good with um, uh, co living too you know I, I, I I'm just kind of curious how, how do you pick markets you know um, when you're when you're actually you know looking to buy properties others uh, there certain attractions in those markets? Like, like, for example, you were in San Francisco, you relocated to Kansas and um, you know, what, how do you, how do you pick markets uh, that are sort of ideal for co-living?
0: Well, we don't, we think all markets work for co-living. We think that there's a need in every city. Um, In terms of, um, what's ideal for an investor that it's really relative to their risk profile and what they're looking for um if they're looking to maximize the yield they can they can go to somewhere in like you know the Midwest would be ideal to maximize yield but they probably aren't going to get as much appreciation bang for their buck um, if they're looking to increase their net worth then you know market like Phoenix or Tampa or Austin are really great options so it's a, it, there's not really a um You know, there are better ones and generally better ones are going to have population growth. Um, it's probably the number one piece that I'd recommend when kind of selecting properties with population growth. You get, um, you get a lot of positive things that come out of that. So a lot of our key things we're looking at increase as populations grow.
1: Yeah, I know in in Southern California here. I mean, there is a huge need for a service like yours, but the challenge is, you know, the the price of homes is so ridiculously high. Um, I mean, do you have people that that are looking to do this in, in markets like that, or up in Bay Area, or um, yeah, parts of New York? I mean, does it are there just some markets it doesn't make sense?
0: Um. Yeah, I mean, in San Francisco, you could, it's actually even more needed. Um, it's just harder for investors to buy homes, right? Because the homes are super expensive. Um, but if you're looking at, let's say you have $20 million and you want to deploy capital into single-family homes, um, buying a, buying a co-living-focused home in San Francisco actually is a really good investment um, because the rooms would then, and in those areas would run for like 2000 each. Um, so you end up having a really nice performing asset um, that still has a really nice appreciation potential. So we'll definitely be in San Francisco, these more expensive markets in the future. Um, but if you're looking just for like a nice cash yield asset where you deploy, you know, $100,000, $200,000, um, then that's probably more uh, a good fit for the Midwest. But there, there's there's a fit for this in
1: most markets. Great. and. Um, what what you know excites you about the future of your co- company and your business? Um, you know, in the in the near and long term range. There,
0: um, yeah, I mean, a lot of it is you know just the ma- the massive surge of the, this population. Um, you know, in the 1980s, eleven percent of young adults eighteen to thirty five uh, lived with roommates. And today, it's twenty seven percent. So there's just more and more people who are living like this. And, you know, now we have about, you know, 45 to 50% of people are living with parents in that age range as well. So it's just pretty, it's very clear that student debt and a delayed marriage and loneliness have created kind of this need for a different type of living that's not being addressed by apartments. And so, that, you know, we're really excited about those trends um, and that it's a pretty wide open market. There's, there's smaller players that have addressed this. Um, around colleges mostly, but in terms of what this could do nationwide and eventually globally is really where where our goals are. Um, We see a lot of, uh, just a massive opportunity, millions and millions of people uh, that can benefit from this product.
1: Great. Well, we are kind of rounding out the end of our interview here. We have a segment we call Wrap It Up, where I ask you a series of quick questions about resources that have been of value to you. And uh, so you can share those with our listeners. If you are ready, we can go ahead and wrap it up. All right, let's do it. All right, uh, favorite real estate book? I generally just listen to podcasts. So I don't, know, I don't actually have a favorite real estate book.
0: I like The Richest Man in Babylon a lot, but that's more about assets and money management than real estate specifically.
1: Uh, that might fall into even this. Uh, the next question is a favorite uh, general business book.
0: Um, the hard thing about hard things, um, it's by um, Ben Hurwitz. Uh, he's former, he's the current, he's the um, general partner at Andreessen Hurwitz. Um basically talks about his own startup journey and how you know the truth of things is that they're a, they're a lot more difficult and painful than you know the the glamour of starting a business appears on like TV and the internet. So it's a really, I think it's a really healthy, good, balanced approach to thinking about the challenges of starting a business.
1: That's great. Uh, how about uh, a website that you use on a regular basis that's been valuable to you and your business?
0: We use, you know, we use Slack. It's an app, but that's really valuable to our business in that we are able to communicate really quickly and, and uh, to, uh, to solve issues.
1: That's my next question, Ashley. It was your favorite app, so I guess I've got the answer to that one. That's great. Okay. Um, how about a favorite quote?
0: The favorite quote, it's a Winston Churchill quote. Uh, it's not the credit who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or whether the doer deeds could have done it better. The credit belongs to the man who's actually in the arena. Uh, I really like that quote a lot.
1: Mm-hmm. That's cool. That's a good one. And uh, here uh, is our final question. If you lost absolutely everything, all your assets, and you had to start all over, and knowing what you already know, and you only had $1,000 in cash, what would you do with that $1,000 to relaunch your real estate investing business?
0: Yeah, so if I had $1,000 to relaunch my real estate business, I would do exactly what I did in Austin. There's down payment assistance programs that are available kind of nationwide. so if you're gonna buy a primary residence, a lot of times you can do it with no money down um, with the help of a, of a down payment assistance program. So I would buy a new home, um, probably in Austin again, but maybe it would be in Tampa or Boise or somewhere else that's really appreciating quickly. Um, and I'd run out of bedrooms and I'd live there. And then you're able to, you know, if it's in a properly appreciating market, your net worth can surge really quickly. And so you could turn a thousand dollars into a couple hundred thousand in a few years. Um, but that's a great foundation for um, rebuilding a, a real estate business because you're able to pull some of the cash out as the appreciation happens.
1: I like that, that's great. Well, I'm sure there's a lot of folks that uh, listening today that uh, want to find out more about uh, your business, what you do, and you know maybe they're even interested in investing. Um, what's the best way for folks to reach you?
0: Yeah, you can reach me at johnny at livehomeroom.com. Happy to respond to any questions about um, you know, buying houses, renting out rooms, um, anything in that vein. Uh, and then livehomeroom.com slash invest is how you would uh, talk to us and set up a call with one of our team members to learn about uh, potentially investing with homeroom.
1: Great, great. Well, we have a tradition here. Um, We are called the Old Dogs REI Network, and uh, so our guests uh, close us out each um, episode with their best old hound dog howl. And uh, (laughs) you know, you're in Kansas City. I know they got hound dogs down there. So uh, (laughs) (laughs) just go ahead, just give us your best attempt here. All right, I have a cold, so my voice is shot, but. All right, that was good. It's still good. Thank you. All right, Johnny. Well, thank you so much for being on. It's been uh, really informative. Some some good stuff here for our listeners. Awesome.
0: Yeah. No, it was really really awesome to be here. Thanks for all your great questions, and really thank you for for talking to me today.
1: It's my pleasure. I also want to thank all our Old Dog listeners out there, too, for joining us. I know there's a lot of other things you could be doing right now, but the fact that you've taken the time to join us means a lot, and we really appreciate it. Please note, everything that Johnny spoke about today uh, will be outlined in detail in our uh, show notes on the Old Dogs website at olddogsreinetwork.com forward slash blog, and you'll look for the episode with uh, uh, Johnny Wolf. Well, that is the show for today. Remember, cash flow is king and real estate investing the means. Until next time, keep moving forward and may God bless. Thank you very much for visiting the Old Dog's REI Network. We would greatly appreciate if you would stop by iTunes and let us know what you think of the show. We would love if you could subscribe to the podcast, give us a five-star rating, and write a review. The more ratings and reviews we
0: receive, the more visible the podcast will be to others. Thank you.